I'm so glad to see all of you tonight. Thank you so much for coming back out. This morning we had some great services. I heard that the beach service was filled up at 9 o'clock and 10.15. We put out extra chairs, and we're so thankful that you were here and that you came back tonight, and then we've got one more service tomorrow night with George. We look forward to that as well. Now, when John, Ed, and George were little and they were growing up, they were living in Notasulga, Alabama, and one day John, Ed, looked down the street, and he saw some kids playing ball, and he was supposed to be watching George. And he, he was looking at George, and I got to take care of my brother, but he wanted to go down there and play ball. So he got an idea. He wasn't that old, but he tied George to a tree out there in the front yard. <laughs> and he, he left him there, and he said, Now, George, you just walk around the tree this way and then go back around that way. He couldn't go anywhere, you know. Well, when he got back and his daddy got home, they looked at George, and George got blistered. He was out in that sun. And he got sunburned, blistered. And so when his daddy got home, John Ed got blistered too from that experience. But you know, one of the things that John Ed and George did so well, they did a great job of picking parents. Brother Cy Matheson and Miss Mary. Miss Mary was a sweetheart. And Brother Cy, and you know, Brother Cy, pastor of the Panhandle, Pope of the Panhandle, he served First Church here in town forever until mandatory retirement. Then he went out to Gulfview and served it for another 15 years. Then he retired from that and raised money for the Matheson Retirement Center up on 390. And then he would come and preach for me every year in Navarre. He loved to come and preach because his best friend in the ministry was a guy named Red Hildreth. And Red had started the church in Navarre, picked me to go there. And then Red died suddenly. And so I couldn't have Red come back and preach. So I would have Cy come and preach. Now, those two guys with Ed Hart and some more people, they started a church camp years ago. John, Ed, and George went to it. The guys from Tennessee I grew up with, we all came down here to Camp Glory in Baldwin County. They lied to us and told us they were taking us to Florida. And I got on the bus in Tennessee, and they took us to Baldwin County, Alabama, Perdido Bay. And, you know, it was a wonderful experience. I just have so many fond memories of that. But, you know, think about all that they did to make that available and possible to young people. And they had so many people going to the ministry under their leadership, led so many people to Christ, and, and what a blessing. Well, Si would come and preach for me every year. I loved to have him come. Miss Mary had gone to heaven. But he would come, and he would. He had a guy that would drive him over. He was about 95 years old, and he would come over, but nobody ever notified him of his age, John Ed. He was like you, 95, but, but anyway, <laughs> he, or no, 85, excuse me. But, but he would come and preach for us every year, and he said, now sign me up next year. I'm coming back. One day he got up there, and he said, they had my birthday the other day. He said, there was a bunch of kids in their 70s and 80s there. He said, all my friends have died and gone to heaven. I reckon they're all sitting up there saying, well, I don't guess I made it. <laughs> but everybody loved to hear Brother Si when he would come and preach. And so they learned so much from him, and then I've learned so much from them. It's really a blessing to me to have them here to do these special services for us. And we were so grateful that they were willing to come. We had to get George off the tennis circuit. He was down there in Naples. I got to tell you, remember, remind me after the service to tell you about my buddy in Naples. No kidding. But we're glad to have both of them here. Now, John Ed has a ministry. When he retired, mandatory retirement at the time he retired was 70 years of age. So he retired, but he never stopped working. 
And he started the John Ed Matheson Leadership Ministries. And you can get one of these little cards up here. Now, let me tell you why you want to do that. Every day, Monday through Friday, I get a podcast from John Ed. It's very brief, very quick, but every day I get it. I also get a blog on Wednesday, and I get a video on Mondays. It's very brief. He says, have you got a minute? And it's quick. You can sign up for that. It's free. You'd love to do it. He's written 16 books. He's constantly writing books. But he's done so much. He preaches and teaches. He has so much to offer. So I want to encourage you. There's some right here on the stage. There's some in the back back there. You want to sign up for that and be a part of that and enjoy that with me because we, we do that all the time. I've learned a lot from doing that. Now, uh, John Ed, I shared this morning about his ministry at Fraser Memorial United Methodist Church. He served uh, there for 36 years, and uh, they managed to eke out an existence. They went from 400 members to 9,000 while he was there. Despite his lead, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> But, but he did a great job there, and, and, you know, that church is still flourishing today uh, because of his leadership and all that he did. He got a board of people from the church to run this ministry with him. So when he goes and speaks, he's, he's paid by them to do those things. The money goes to the ministry there. So he has accountability is my point. And uh, I hope that you'll take advantage of these things, listen to them, and I know that you'll enjoy his preaching tonight. Let's give him a warm Woodlawn welcome. Thank you, Brother Joe, and he's the bravest pastor I know to have my brother and me in his church and to think the church can survive that. Uh, appreciate that. Thank you for giving a plug. I, I've enjoyed ministry. I'm doing a different type ministry I never even dreamed of and doing all of these podcasts and blogs, and I didn't even know what those were. And uh, let me tell you, all of them, now they are written for Methodists in Alabama, not Florida. But Alabama, because the attention span is extremely short in Alabama, and all of them are a minute long. It's called Got a Minute. And so if you don't have a grandkid, you can look there as a QR code. Let me tell you, even George could sign up for it. And if he could sign up for it, if, and I'm just glad you, you heard my brother. He's the best preacher in the family, and he'll be preaching tomorrow night. Let me tell you why he's so good. He's got a great wife, Montaigne. You need to get to know her. By the way, Joe's best asset is Laura. I tell you, she, y'all are blessed to have her. Now, Joe could leave, but they want you to be sure and stay. And that, but George, y'all, what he did, he got my daddy's sermons. And so he adds some Greek to the sermons. And so when you hear him preach tomorrow night, you'll hear one of daddy's sermons with a little Greek added to it. And I tried to learn some Greek, but I had trouble. I, so I haven't been able to do that. I want to thank you. I've had a great time. Thank you for this marvelous church. Joe is a marvelous. And I've, Steve and all of the people I've met, Bill, Big or Small, uh, <laughs> You know, everybody, you, you got a great staff here, and uh, you got a great, great future in front of you. I, I know y'all are probably having financial difficulties, and I know this is my last time to preach tonight, but this morning at Sharky's, I asked for some water, and so they gave me this bottle, and I drank about that much of it. When I got out here for the 930 service or whatever time, I said, I need some water. They said, where's the water we gave you at Sharky's? <laughs> So I got it and had a little bit more. 
And then a while ago, I said, can I have, he said, where's the rest of the water you hadn't drunk? So this is all I got left after I finish with this tonight. I guess uh, I won't get another one, so that'll, that'll be it. But thank you for letting me come and uh, share in these services. And I just pray that the Spirit, the power of God's Holy Spirit, and the cleansing blood of Jesus, and the mighty power of God will rest upon you in everything that you're doing. And I want to look at that tonight and just focus on the topic of when possibilities are redefined by God. We think some things are impossible. God has a way of redefining what is possible. I had a great experience several years ago. I was preaching in a hotel at a conference, and I didn't know it, but there was a guy that slipped in the back, and afterwards he came up, and I said, wow, one of my heroes, Dr. Bill Bright, he's had a campus crusade, which has later became crew. It's the largest campus ministry, youth ministry in the world. And Dr. Bright came up, and he said, I'm glad to meet a Methodist who's an evangelical. And I'd like to get to know you better. And he said, I'm doing a prayer and fasting conference and just wondered if you'd sort of serve on my steering committee. Well, well, let me tell you, when Dr. Bright says the thing, all I can say is yes. I mean, just to be in his presence, a man who's led thousands and thousands of people to Christ. And as we were talking, he said, I participated in that prayer and fasting. And then about 12 years ago, he called and said, uh, about 15, I guess, he said, I'd like to invite you to do something. You're the Methodist that I know, and I've got an interdenominational group of folks, and he said, I've got a vision, and I'd like to ask you if you'd participate in it. I said, wow, I'll do anything you say, Dr. Bright. And he said, now let me tell you, folks have called me crazy, and people have said it's impossible. But he said, I want to gather some people together who believe that God can redefine what is possible. I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, I want you to come to a meeting in Atlanta, and I'm going to share my vision. Let me tell you, he had people from all over the world in different parts. When I walked in and saw the people sitting there, I thought, I felt like a mule at the Kentucky Derby. I mean, I, I mean, these were folks I read about and hear about, some of the great leaders of the world. And then he shared, he said, by 2020, and this would be about eight years, in tw- by 2020, I want us to covenant with God to start five million churches. Five million. Say five million. Five million. And to win one billion new believers to Christ. Say one billion. one billion. And he said, that's our goal. Are you willing to buy into it? You know what my first reaction was? Five million churches? <laughs> A billion new believers? And my first thought, that's impossible. But all of a sudden, he started talking about how we worship a God of the impossible becoming possible and how the possibilities can be redefined. Now, let me tell you what happened. My responsibility was in India. I had a chance to train 3,000 pastors in India. Went there six times. And all over the world, there were different people training. And by 2020... The early part there, we had started just over 5 million churches and just over 1 billion new people had come to know Jesus as personal Savior. 
And what I thought was just totally impossible, and I had just a minuscule little part of doing it, I, I just enjoyed watching and being enveloped by the mighty power of God. And all of a sudden, I saw nothing is impossible with God. So tonight, I want to just focus on that for a few minutes and take a passage of Scripture and look at it as it would teach us from Mark, the ninth chapter. It was about a man who had a little boy who was sick. And when he brought him to the disciples, they tried to help him, and they couldn't help him. So then finally, the man wants to confront Jesus. Now, three simple things I want to share with you about how God can take the impossible and redefine it into the possible. Now, I don't know where you are tonight in your personal life. I don't know what you're facing. You may be facing something that would be impossible. Listen, nothing is impossible with God. And you've got a great church here. But let me tell you, you've got a great past, but you need to be looking at the future. What does God want to do in the life of the Woodlawn Methodist Church? I mean, unbelievable what God can do. So I want to give you three things. Number one, I want you to look in verse 21 and 22 and show you the problem. This is the problem. The man came to Jesus and he said, oh, Jesus, have mercy on us and do something if you can. Now, that's a problem. Coming to Jesus and saying, I want you to do something if you can. But I tell you, most Christians I meet don't think very highly of who, what God can do. A lot of people would just say, now, God, if you can, we'd like to see this. If you can is a problem. Uh, if you look down in Numbers 14, 8, he said that when the Lord is pleased with us, he'll bring us into the land. And the people of Israel thought it was impossible. And God redefined what was possible in carrying them to the promised land. Uh, I love being at Fraser. Uh, one of the things we did was start a kindergarten. And uh, there wasn't many of those. And good gracious, we wound up with 400 kids, four and five-year-olds. And it was an unapologetically a Christian kindergarten. And every Friday morning, they would have a chapel service, and they would invite me to come in every Friday morning and ask me to lead a song. Now, friends, I ain't got any musical talent. And the only group that ever appreciated me at Fraser were the four- and five-year-olds. <laughs> but they asked me to come in and lead a song. And you know what? They wanted to sing the same song every Friday. And for 25 years, I led them in the same song, and they would bellow it out. It's my God is so big and it had motions, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. It talks about the mountains and the valleys and all the majesty of God. And it comes back to that refrain. I'll tell you, if you ever listened about 5 after 10 on a Friday morning here in Panama City, you could have heard them. <laughs> I mean, they bellowed it out. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. Do you believe that? That's not a children's song. That ought to be an adult song. That ought to be the theme song of what the church is today. What's interesting is a lot of times, even today, I'll meet some of those kids that were in kindergarten, and now they are up and they're adults. I was in the grocery store not long ago, and there were two women walking along. As soon as they saw me, they threw up their arms just like that. 
I was in Nashville, Tennessee, and there were a couple of folks that came around the end of the car. They saw me, threw up those arms. Uh, let me tell you, my God is so big. We sang that hymn a moment ago. How did it start out? My God is so mighty, holy, 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 Lord God, almighty. God is so powerful. Listen, let me suggest to you that God is so much bigger than any problem you have. And so be careful. Don't go telling God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big God is. And in a church, when you begin to face something that's big and people say, we can't do that, don't focus on what you can't do, but focus on what God can do when he redefines the possible. And one word God doesn't have in his vocabulary is can't. Just trust him. So that's the problem. If you can. Now, secondly, to every problem, there's always a prescription. A prescription. You see this in verse 18 and 19. Here's a prescription for any, any problem that you face. I begged your disciples to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to his disciples, Oh, what tiny faith you have. Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. Now, let me tell you, when you got a problem, where do you take it? You can take it to Dr. Phil, or you can take it to some new fad of some kind of psychological book that's out, or, or somebody that's some kind of guru. Let me tell you, what we need to do is to take it to Jesus. He said, bring the boy to me. And if you don't take him to Jesus, you'll never get it solved. Uh, I love playing tennis. My brother's a great player, and he's uh, just finished the circuit down with the seniors. You're in the 90 and over. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, he's been playing all over Florida for the last eight weeks. Uh, some time ago, I had uh, trouble with my hip, and uh, it was giving me a lot of trouble. And I didn't know exactly how to handle that. At the same time, my car sometimes wouldn't crank. And for some reason, you know, it would, and sometimes it wouldn't. So here I was with a bad hip and a bad car. Now, let me say to you, when something is wrong, take it to somebody that can fix it. Let me tell you what I didn't do. I'm not real smart. But I didn't take my hip to a mechanic. <laughs> and I surely didn't take my car to an orthopedic surgeon. I took them to somebody that could fix the problem. You know what's wrong with the church today? We think we've got a problem and we've got something we can't deal. And who do we take it to? Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Now, I want to announce to you tonight that he's the only one that can solve that problem. He's the only one that can heal. He is the only one who can forgive sin. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You see, in the world today, what the church needs to do, if you're going to win people to Jesus, we've got to lift Jesus up and invite people to come to him. Um, in the church in Montgomery, we had a great couple, Lanny and Laura McAndrew. Lanny is a trainer of pilots for JetBlue Airlines, and he works out of New York City. You probably know that the number one or the airline that has more flights out of J.F. Kennedy Airport is JetBlue. 
and he has an apartment there, and he would come home to be in church on Sundays. And back a little ways before he retired, he said to me, John Ed, I've been in New York all this time. I got all of these perks. In fact, he invited me a couple of times to go to France and pick up a couple of those new planes. He just had to go get it and then come back. I said, uh, who else is going? He said, well, it'd be just a co-pilot and you and me. I said, I have the whole 200-seat plane by myself. I said, that's pretty good. Let me just take a picture of it, but I don't have time to go. So he said, hey, what let's do. Before I retire, you and Lynn, come go with Laura and me, and let's go to New York for a few days and use my perks. Well, boy, my wife heard it. She jumped on it immediately. She said, let's go tomorrow. <laughs> well, well, we decided to go. We went for three days to New York City. We decided to let the women decide what to do one night, let the men decide what to do, and then jointly decide. So the first night, the women decided what we'd do. We went to see a play. The second night, Lanny and I decided, and we went to see the Yankees play. <laughs> and the third night, we were sitting there talking about it and said, you know, we're in New York City. Why don't we go out to a nice restaurant? And that sounded like a pretty good idea. And uh, we just said, where do y'all want to go? And I said, N now I want to say something, Lanny. You've covered everything we've been doing here. And I want to tell you, I made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my ministry. I said, the dinner is going to be on me. Now, that's a, don't ever, ever, ever volunteer to pay for a dinner in New York City. And the women decided, and you know where they wanted to go? They said, we've heard of, La I think it's 11 Madison Place, which happened to be, I learned, the number one restaurant rated in the world and had been the number one rated restaurant in the United States. And he said, I can get reservations. And so we went there. And we went in, and you get the menus, no prices. I couldn't even read what was on it. <laughs> but I didn't know how to order, and we had to get help ordering. But we got it and got the food. And let me just say to you, the food wasn't very good. <laughs> but when I saw the bill, it was about equivalent to what y'all paid for this building we're in right here. <laughs> but I was going to be casual. You know, I'm from... Montgomery, Alabama. We're Southerners in New York City. So the waiter comes over, hands us the bill, and I <clears throat> reached in my pocket, pulled out my card, and gave it to him, and he left. And he didn't come back for a few minutes. And I wondered what happened. I looked over in the corner, and here were all the waiters in a huddle. I thought they were getting ready for a football game. And then finally the guy came back over and said, Dr. Matheson, Welcome to New York City and to Madison Place, 11 Madison Place. He said, but I, I'd have to share with you, sir. Here in New York City, we don't take Blue Cross Blue Shield to pay for a meal. Now, now let me tell you, my Blue Cross Blue Shield card is good for some things. If I go to the doctor, it's good. If I go to the hospital, it's good. If I go to the pharmacy, it's good. But it's not worth anything in paying for a meal. <laughs> now, now, hear me carefully. You know what's wrong in America today? We're trying to pay for something with a card that won't pay for it. And there's only one thing that will pay for our sins, only one thing, and that's the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And that's why he said, bring the boy to me. 
And I hope in everything that you do, you ask yourself the question, how will this advance every decision your church makes? How will this bring more people to Jesus and make us a force in this community? That is a prescription. And then the last thing, let me just mention quickly. You've got a problem. You've got a prescription. And the third thing, you've got possibilities. I just hope you can see the immense. Do you realize the possibilities of what Woodlawn can be? Do you realize how God can use you in a way in which you can't even begin to imagine? You got great pastoral leadership and support staff, and you got a great lay leadership. Can you just imagine what God wants to do? Look at the possibilities. Look at verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, if I can, is that what you're asking? If I can. Then he said, anything is possible. Now, he didn't say some things. He didn't say a couple of things. He says anything. I looked it up in Greek, George. You know what anything means? <laughs> means anything. <laughs> anything anything is possible if you have faith and the father replied I do have faith help me to have more can I just say that there are immense possibilities God can redefine what is possible how big are you willing to dream this year how big are you willing to dream for your life this is a renew emphasis if God continues to renew us in a great way how can we be used in a powerful way guy was out fishing one day and he wasn't catching anything he looked over and saw another guy fishing and boy he was catching fish galore and every time he'd catch a fish he'd bring it in and he had a foot a foot long ruler and he'd measure the fish and if the fish was longer than the foot long ruler he threw it back if it was smaller he kept it the man had never seen anybody throw the big ones back. And so he rolled over and said, man, first tell me what kind of bait you're using. But then he said, tell me, why do you measure every fish? And if it's more than a foot long, you throw it back. Man said, sir, my frying pan's only 12 inches in diameter. <laughs> the man says, what you need to do, friends, get a bigger frying pan. I want to ask you, how big is your frying pan? This is a renew. How big are you willing to let God work in you? An African impala is a little animal, and it can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long. But there's one problem that it can't handle. It won't jump until it can see where it's going to land. And they don't, you know how they, how they corral them? They just put up a little fence about four feet. You can use cardboard if you want to. About four feet where they can't see where they're jumping, and they'll never jump. And you know what's wrong with most churches in America today? We're scared to jump because we can't see where we're going to land. And Jesus is saying, step out of the boat and walk towards me. And that's impossible. God can redefine what is possible. Now, let me ask you, in your life right now, maybe you're facing something. Can God redefine that possibility? Let me just conclude with a great experience I've had just recently. It really started about uh, eight or nine years ago. 
I do a lot with athletic teams. I love sports. I love coaches. And um, there were a couple of coaches who one day said, can we have an appointment with you? I said, sure. And they came, and they're a couple of great black guys. And they said, listen, we got a vision. We need to start a school for kids, boys, who are overlooked in society today, and they can't make it in school. 60% of them drop out of school by the seventh grade. And said, we got a vision. We want to start a school. And we want to lead these boys to Christ and teach them to rise above their situation. What do you think? You know what I really thought? You guys can't do that. You're a bunch of coaches. But they had a vision. So I said, hey, fortunately, I didn't tell them what I thought. I said, if God's in it, he can do it. They said, do you believe that? I said, I believe God can do anything. Amen. He can redefine what is possible. And I'll be glad to work with you and help you. Now, I want you to get this. Montgomery, Alabama, two black young coaches, and they want to make a difference in kids who don't get a chance in life. I said, we'll work at it. It costs $9,000 for each kid. And you know, the folks started giving to it. And they started with sixth graders. They started with 30. And then the next year, they started with 30 more. Now, get this. Remember I said that 60% drop out by the time they hit junior high school. We've now been doing this for seven years. We've had two graduating classes. It's called Valiant Cross Academy. If you want to read about the best educational model in America, I think, you Google it, and you can see what is happening, what they're doing. We've had two graduating classes. Do you know how many kids have dropped out? Zero. Everybody said that's impossible, and they are astounded of how God's redefined what is possible. And now with these two graduating classes, do you know what? Every kid is either in college or trade school or the military or has a productive job. Nothing, no other educational system has that kind of record. And they have another class. And, and then let me tell you what just happened a month ago. We got notice. I serve on the board. I mean, I, I just love seeing what God's doing. And it's, guess where they meet? They, they meet in the old Dexter Avenue Methodist Church. That's where they started, right downtown. And the church gave, because it couldn't keep it up, gave that property to Valiant Cross Academy. And guess what happened? There is, in the United States, a program called the YAS, Y-A-S-S. And they pick out the number one school in America that is the most innovative and the one that is having the best record of productivity in America. They had over 3,000 schools they started with. Now, hear me. They got down to 2,000, got down to 1,000, got down to 150, and they got down to eight. And Valiant Cross Academy was one of those. And then they selected the number one school. You know what it was? Valiant Cross Academy 
in the whole United States. And they said, the governor came. By the way, you know what the prize was? A million dollars that came to the school. And so they're going to expand a couple of more grades. And the governor came, and she is just right up the street from where they across the said, I wish every school in Alabama could copy. But, you know, it's not just education. They teach young men about Jesus. They begin every day by praying and with devotions. And those guys, their theme is rise above. And you know what? Their theme is Jesus can do anything. And he can redefine what's possible. Now, listen, if a school in Montgomery, Alabama can do that, a church in Panama City Beach can do that. And people in that church can face anything and let God work, and unbelievable things can happen. Dr. Bill Bright, he just said, hey, we, we got this dream. God can redefine what's possible. While we have the music, I'm going to have just a brief prayer, and then I want to invite you to come. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what part of your life God might want to inject something new, something fresh in your life, something that you can overcome. Change your thinking and know how big God is. And you come and spend time here. And then, if you'd like people to pray with you, there'll be people available. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then I would invite you to come. Father, you are a God who just delights, delights in redefining what is possible. And, oh, God, this church, we could receive some of that. And there are people here tonight that are facing things that many folks, that's impossible. God, nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with you. And may we trust you to redefine. Now deal with us and maybe we'd be open. And what you would lead us to do, may we do that. And I invite you to come and to pray or to pray where you are. But pray bodaciously as to what God can do.